This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what Hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been pulled in the fifth that they had faith in you. And you Hello there, everyone. I'm Michael Gobier, Phil Goyette, and it's the Prospect Power Half Hour. We do it every Monday for you because you love Prospect. You can't get enough of them. They're so much fun. That's what we do yeah. here on the Plaza Podcast. Me and Phil are going to talk about prospects. We'll talk about Dynasty. The baseball season's coming to a close here. It's the final week of the season. So if you guys have any questions, you can drop them in the live stream. You can email the show, too, in between times, at plazopodcast at protonmail.com, or you can follow us at plazopodcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah. And you can Give hit up two. Phil at Phil of Sports. P-H-I-L is how he spells his name. Phil of Sports. Phil, how are you? Good, brother. How are you doing? Rock and roll McDonald's, man. You know, it's a Monday. Uh, I got a lot of football stuff on my mind, but I'm really kind of excited about the uh, end of the season here. I'm really thinking a lot about where we are, what happened. Some of the stat lines are fully developed, so we have a complete output of what the players did this year, and I'm really digging into a lot of it and reviewing it and sinking my teeth into it. It's exciting. Yeah. one uh, I didn't put this in the notes, but... um, one of the main leagues I commish actually wrapped last night. Hmm. It's a head-to-head playoffs. And so what we do is we cut the last week of the season off, sort of like you would do in an NFL league where you don't play week 17 or in some of them even week 16 any longer. How do you feel about cutting the last week of the season off for fantasy purposes? Well, that's interesting because in my home league, it's a head-to-head league, and they the last week of the season, the championship is September 12th. So we missed like the last three weeks of the season, which is way, it's so ridiculous. It used to be that they were worried about all the rookies and prospects that would get called up on the 40-man rosters, and they said it would taint Mm -hmm. things, and guys wouldn't go on the IL because of it. They would just be sitting there injured, but they wouldn't technically be on IL, so you couldn't do anything with the roster space. And now it's it's not really like that anymore. I think we could get more out of the season because it's been pretty consistently... The same rosters, give or take a few guys, right? Yeah, I mean, for for Roto, obviously, doesn't matter to go the whole way. But I think most people do play head-to-head. That's my kind of anecdotal 
evidence that I've seen. I think the majority of, of fantasy baseball players play head to head like football. Um, so I don't know. I, I think if you're in the championship, the last thing you want to do is have, you know, players on four the four or five good teams that are going to be resting guys this week, which will definitely happen. Like the White Sox really don't have anything to play for. So they're going to give the guys a break, I would think, for at least a couple days during the week. So I don't know. I mean, I would hate to see the championship game decided because uh, your starting pitcher didn't go his final turn of the season or something because they were lining him up for the playoffs type of thing. Yeah, they have the attitude that, you know what, we have 21 weeks that they use and everybody gets to play each other twice because it's a 14-team league and that's it. And yeah, they're ha- they're happy with that. I, I'm, it's not a huge deal, I guess. Uh, it's just very early, that's all. So I, I understand. If you want to pull the plug early, pull the plug early. But I want to give you credit because... Shane Baz looked really good. He got called up and he dominated at certain stretches in his efforts. And that's something that you were focusing on here. So credit to you, Phil. Tooting my own horn. (laughs) No one's going to change here. Don't ever change. Don't ever change. What was that? That was supposed to be an applause, by the way. So I like that, that, though. I don't know what it was, but. uh, um, Can you want me to change? you yeah that's what that, i think that's will forte from something so you gotta get uh rock and roll mcdonald's uh on the sound clip i can't believe you busted that out at the beginning of the episode there rock yeah. and roll mcdonald's wesley <laughs> willis classic man yeah man rest in peace <laughs> rest in power wesley willis um so uh what were you talking about oh yeah shane bass i'm just proud of myself for getting one thing right i think but i thought the rays might use the guy because he's he's good. I mean, he looks legitimate. So I thought there was a chance that they would use him like this to prep him to see if they want to use him in the playoffs. It makes sense to, you know, get him up and get him comfortable with making his debut instead of doing it, you know, around one of the playoffs or something, even if they just use him in a bullpen role in the playoffs. So I wasn't surprised that they called him up. He looked extremely good. Um, I really think the only thing preventing him from being relevant for redraft leagues next year is health. He's if this guy stays healthy, he could be the real deal. He really has the total package, man. He was spotting the fastball; it was crazy, ninety-eight and painting with it. McClanahan or Baz? I think Baz. I think Baz wow. is the more complete pitching prospect of the two guys, which is nuts. Also, just think about the. Uh, what the Rays put together for rookies this year, Rookie of the Year race, Wander, uh, Arosa Reina, and McClanahan. <laughs> like, Pretty you could pick any one of those three guys as Rookie of the Year. So, impressive. Yeah, these guys aren't going they've anywhere. Got more, they got more coming, too. I mean, Baz next year. Vidal Brujan, that's probably a name we want to keep in mind for redraft next year. He could come up and steal 40 bags next year, potentially. So, I don't know, exciting an exciting franchise. I'm I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah, they have a lot of guys locked in for now that they can take advantage of, and they will trade them before they ever become free agents because that's what they do. But their yeah. prowess in the AL East, this could be their decade for sure. The 2020s will be the Rays dominating or at least always in the mix every year for a playoff spot and World Series aspirations. Yeah, the city of Tampa slash... Montreal Rays or whatever kind of shit they're yeah. talking about. Split season. 
Who knows? Yeah, that's all. That's all hyperbolic crap, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're talking here with Phil. It's the Power Half Hour. We do it every Monday if we can do it. And Phil of Sports on Twitter, MJ Govier on Twitter. What else? What about looking at a 2022 now? Who are some guys that have impressed you that you're excited about that actually have redraft potential? Yeah, I think now's the time to start thinking about these guys for next year. And if you want to get in on them or not, um, one guy a lot of people are talking about now, MJ Melendez, the minor league home run leader this year, 41 yaks for the Kansas City Royals system. Uh, he's a Is he catcher. like Mike Hessman? <laughs> <laughs> he's a home run leader. Well, Mike I, Hessman was the all-time home run king I, of the minors, but he never did jack in the majors. I put in the notes, the last two players that hit over 40 home runs in one season in the minors were Chris Bryant and Joey Gallo. So I, I think he's legit, man. Um, where is Kansas City going to play the kid? That's a good question. I don't know if it'll be some kind of weird catcher DH timeshare with him and Salvi Perez. Um or they, they, they try him out at first base a little bit to let Salvi stay behind the dish. I don't know. That's an interesting kind of predicament the Royals might be in there. But I think his, he's ready for the bigs. Uh, he could struggle. He could also be one of these guys that gets really hot, really cold, like a Austin Riley type of thing where um, you might have a few weeks where he's on a complete tear. You might have a few weeks because he has a lot of swing and miss in his game where he slows down and he hurts you and you might have to bench him. So, But he's definitely, I think, catcher eligibility uh, with the potential to hit 30 home runs in the bigs. He's a guy that's got to be on everybody's radar. Redraft down to like 12-team redraft leagues next year, I would think. Wow. Really? Okay. Well, I'll keep an eye out for that. That's pretty pretty highly thought of. That's, that's lofty. So I like yeah. lofty, though. Uh, this is his second second great season he's had in the minors. So, he's, so that's two. He's had some track record Utah. track record for him. So give me two. Give two. That's yeah, two. Give Good for two. him. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> Alrighty, if you got oh Jasper's here. Hello, Jasper. Welcome in. He's always late, but he makes it. It's not about when you get here. No, it's just that you show up. So thanks for being here, Jasper. Thanks for anybody else who's in the live chat. If you guys have questions, now's the time to ask. Phil is here. He's at your disposal. It's a half hour or less, and that's it. Never more. So get it in now and take advantage of it. Take yeah, advantage Jasper. of your opportunities. Uh, he loves Shane Baz. Jasper. Of course, everybody loves Shane Baz. Jasper, did you get Shane Baz in your in your dynasty league that you keep us up to date on? I hope so. I hope you've got him stashed. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, the one dynasty league I'm in, I uh, I just kind of zoned out because. Uh, George Montanez is in that league and he's in first and he was so far ahead. I had like 110 points, 115 points. It's a really nice season, but he's at like 145, yeah. 146. Whew. So I just was like, this is, I'm not going to sell the farm. I'm just going to sit tight with everything I have and I'll just see you guys later. So <laughs> yeah, was. Roto Dynasty can be tough too. If um, some of the tankards, the tanking franchises can really throw the roto off. Like if you're not competing for certain categories at the bottom, that's exactly end. what's happening here. There's massive, yes. massive disparity. Yep. So, so then somebody can just dominate like the, what you're having happening. So yep. another reason to go head to head, maybe. Well, Jasper got bass. That's awesome. All right. Way to go, Jasper. Woohoo! Happy for you, buddy. That's going to be barring any injury. The praise. I mean, they got rid of Snell, who was a Cy Young winner, and 
whatever you think of him, he's a pretty damn good pitcher. He has been. They have so much in the bag that they can just pull into the tricks. Hey, what's next? What do we got in here? We got Snickers. It's like Halloween night. You're digging through your candy bag, and he's got all this awesome stuff, like full-size candy bars. That's what the Rays have. They have a bunch of full-size candy bars that they can just go to town on whenever they want. They're very, very lucky and very, very fortunate, but they do the work, so full credit to the Rays. And they can take the shitty, like, black and orange candies <laughs> that nobody likes, whatever the flavor of those are, those and they can trade them to Pittsburgh for yeah. their full-size candy bars. So That's even more impressive. You're right. They just keep Which on keeping from. on. It's incredible. Uh, who the hell is Juan Yepes? I'm not familiar with Juan. We've talked to him about him on the show. He was one of my guys that I thought maybe it, I would. I said I think the Cardinals are going to make a push to for the playoffs. I was right about that, and I thought maybe Juan would get called up as a as a potential bat they could use. I was wrong about that, but I'm just going to keep talking about the guy until they bring him up because he can really hit. Uh, he's a first baseman. He's first baseman only, which is going to kind of stunt his potential unless we get the DH in the NL next year, which would be awesome. Uh, but he can hit, he can get on base, he can hit for power. Uh, he's kind of a four or five category guy in the future, I think, for fantasy. And uh, mm-hmm. when I was researching before the show, I was in a little um, surprised that when I looked at Juan's Fangraphs page, they have his hit tool currently as 40 to 45, which was like below average to kind of below average hit tool. But this is a guy that uh, walks over 10% of the time, over double-digit walk rates pretty persistently. Uh, yeah. He's brought his strikeout rate down to around 20% in AAA this year. Um, and hits for power is ISOs over 300. So I don't know what else you could want out of a hit tool other than what this guy's doing. So a little just kind of pushback on that. There's no way he's a 40 hit tool, I don't think. Ooh, all right. I don't know who's doing the numbers there on Fangrass. But Phil Goyette yeah, is calling out, it out. It could just be an outdated uh, it could just be an outdated ranking or number, but uh, I would just say I'd be I'd be shocked if that's what happens at the next level for one. Um, and I hope he gets called up really soon. But he does have redraft value next year. That's what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's on the brink. He's close. Uh, I just don't. I mean, he looks like a guy that just hits for average, and I don't see. The numbers don't show a lot of potential except this year only. That's what I'm, it's like they really took off power wise. So I wonder if that's yep. park related or not. No, I just think he's he's hitting the age where your power tends to develop. So that's usually oh. the last thing to come along. Okay. Oh, hey, well, we'll find I'm out next year. It. I will always tell people I heard about Juan Yepes first from Phil Goyette. Because that's what Phil does. <laughs> Phil knows what's going on. And uh, as far as Bobby Wood Jr., though, this is nothing new. Everybody knows about him. We all can expect him to be a redraft guy next year. He was a redraft guy this year, and he never came up. But yeah. next year will be his year, and he will be – I mean, how high would you draft Bobby Wood Jr. next year? You know, I really haven't even thought about where I would take him at. I, I would say – when I was thinking about this, he's probably going to go too high for me to draft him anywhere. Yep. So I think there's going to be just, there's still too much risk associated with him being a young player that hasn't seen major league pitching yet for me to invest the, I don't know what he would go for. He's, he'll probably be, you know, by the end of the spring, if he has a good spring training and people will be popping him in the fifth or sixth round, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised, yep. um, which is just, it's just way too early. 
It's just way too early. I do understand wanting to the owners that want to grab him, though, because I do think he's the kind of guy that could win you a league if if he clicks next year. He's like a Tatis, like a Fernando Tatis uh, level talent potentially. Wow, really? Especially for fantasy, especially for, yeah, especially for fantasy. That's pretty high praise. Jasper says, "Staying away from wit till I see something." Yeah, which to is see? totally totally fine. But then that means you're just you're not going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody was stashing Kelnick. You know, Kelnick was going really high in a lot of my redraft leagues in the spring. That didn't work. A lot of people were drafting Wander high. He had a nice season. It did work. not work for. I don't think it worked for your redraft. You stashed him for three. If you months. drafted him high, no. I mean, if you drafted him high, no. But if you got him in like yeah. the two forties, or I saw him go often after two hundred, that's all right. I, I can live with that. I think you're still better off using your full roster for you know that three months or whatever it took for Wander to come start producing for your team. Oh, I agree. I agree. So, I wouldn't do it personally. That's why I didn't do it. So yeah. I completely agree with you. In fact, the legend himself, Phil Dussault, would never do something like that. He, I guarantee he wouldn't, he's, he wouldn't take Bobby Witt Jr. and he wouldn't take Wander Franco. That would not be how he would do it because based on what I've learned about him, that's just not something a guy like him who knows all about this stuff would do. And he is the master right now. So if the Phil wouldn't do it, maybe you guys should all reconsider the fact that we're, we get a little too excited. This, we're not talking dynasty. We're talking redraft here in this moment. Yeah. So. In just you have to listen to all fills. I think that's really the the more global <laughs> lesson. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you're right. This is, this <laughs> all, is Phil's all, world. We're all just living in it. Well, there's a reason why. If you think about it, you, myself, uh, Doctor Phil, you have uh, Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince. Uncle Phil, yes, so, legit. James know. Avery, respect. <laughs> Love James Avery. That's important that we listen to our fills. That's the message on the Palazzo podcast here. Prospects Power Half Hour. Two L's, two Z's. Of course, follow us everywhere and anywhere that you love following people. We're talking a redraft focus here today. So in case you're wondering, you can ask Dynasty questions. We're always ready and willing. But guys like Spencer Torkelson, Brennan Davis. We've talked about Kevin Smith a few times. Where's, uh, Where's Russell at? Russell loves Kevin Smith so, so much. But, uh... Which one of these guys, Brennan Davis or Torque, will have a better redraft impact in 2022? I think uh, I think Torkelson is the guy I, I want. I think of that class of guys that haven't been up yet but could make an impact next year, I think Torkelson's probably about the top of my list. How do you how do you feel about that um, as a Tigers aficionado yourself? Well, I mean, he's progressed nicely. He was a top overall pick. He has all the tools, and he doesn't seem to be phased at each level for the most part. He's been doing fairly well. I mean, there's slumps. They happen. That's baseball, so I don't worry about that. So I think uh, Brennan Davis is a name that I've heard about for the last two years at least, but I don't really know much about him other than the fact that he's a Cubs prospect. He's a great hitter. But I I haven't really dug into him in detail. He's a just a great hitter, a great just kind of professional athlete with an excellent kind of approach to playing the game, a business-like professional approach. Um, he uh, Davis uh, came, I think, came late to baseball, so he played a lot of sports growing up and was more of a basketball player, I think, 
in high school. Oh, like Tony Gonzalez. His, his dad, um, if you remember, I think this is the correct anecdote. If you remember the uh, television show um, <laughs> Hang Time, do you remember the Saturday morning NBC program called Hang Time? I am. I'm drawing a blank on that one. You stopped me. About a high school basket. It was kind of like uh, uh, Saved by the Bell, but they were a high school basketball team. Oh um, man, that and, sounds awesome! I probably saw it. <laughs> the the coach of the team on the show for for a period of time was Reggie Theus. Do you know who Reggie Theus is? Oh, I love Reggie. Yeah, basketball he was on player. the NBC. He was their sideline reporter for a while. NBA on NBC. Yeah, yeah was a great basketball player. Um. Back in the day, too, Reggie Theus. Uh, well, Reggie Theus is Brennan Davis's dad. No shit. I didn't. Wow, yeah. that's a fun fact. <laughs> so blowing wow. your mind. I was hoping I'd get the hang time with you. Hang yeah. time. Running together. You don't remember that one at all. I think it was, uh, like with, uh, it was part of the NBC 95. Saturday morning. Part yeah. of the NBC Saturday morning lineup. Saved by the Bell. Uh, California Dreams. If you remember that one. I do remember that. Saved by the Bell, the new class. Hang time. Hang time was the basketball uh, high school drama comedy. It debuted in September of 95. So by then I was already 15. And I think I was already kind of getting past that. That's the only problem there. So I'm sorry. But I do remember (laughs) Reggie Theus. He was a broadcaster. He was a head coach, too. And obviously a great basketball player. So that's cool. I didn't know that. That's fun. We got Rich Manning and Reggie Theus creating baseball players. Yeah, so Brennan, I think, was primarily a basketball-focused player growing up. Didn't start playing baseball real seriously until, like, almost the senior year of high school, I think, is the anecdote. Wow. Uh, so th- he's he's made a ton of strides in a very short period of time, and he looks like somebody who's coachable, who will make adjustments if needed, um, great athlete, like I said, professional approach. So he's a, he's a, he could be a future star, absolutely. And the Cubs – We'll probably um, play him after they get the uh, secure the extra year of uh, eligibility. <laughs> you know, get the extra year of, of service time locked in, and then and yeah. then Brennan Davis can come up the future of the franchise. So, well, this is another thing though, Phil. You know, the CBA we're going to have a possible lockout, some type of showdown here, possibly. Uh, how do you feel about yeah. that? And how do you see it affecting all of the situation here? Because this could change the landscape. Could change everything. I hope it does. Um, I hope it does too. It could really, yeah, it could really change everything. So we all got to keep our eye on what's the the difference in the pay scale or the service time requirements or however they're going to negotiate the kind of uh, young players. I think the issue is, and in baseball in particular has had this issue. They the the more veteran players tend to bargain away the rights of the younger players. Yep. In collective bargaining, because it's basically um, something they can put on the table to give to ownership that doesn't impact them directly. And the and the lower you go down the scale, the more that's true. Right. So uh, you don't see the players union uh, arguing for, well, we need to do something to stop this deal where you're signing 14 year olds in the Dominican and, you know, handshake deals and giving the family a car or something. You will never hear that. Right or like an international draft or, or anything that could make that more equitable because that's something the veteran players and the players union can give to the uh, owners without yeah. any drawback to themselves. 
right? So I'm a little skeptical that any deal that comes to fruition through the CBA is going to radically alter how ownership is able to kind of take advantage of younger players and have the leverage to do something like what the Rays are doing to know that they can lock in a cheap um, roster because for no other reason than how the CBA works. The guys who have the service time manipulation gripes are kind of in a minority, right? It's a small group of players. I mean, Chris Bryant's of the world. Uh, these players are the best of the best. So therefore they're not really the majority. Everybody else just kind of gets shuffled up and down or they get the opportunity when they get it and they take advantage of it. Right. Yeah. And if you're Bryant is a great example if you give Chris Bryant the decision now at this point in his career, do you want the rules to allow you to be in line to get a nice six or seven year uh, free agency deal? That's going to take you through the rest of your career. You can vote for that, or you can vote for more equity for younger players. So they don't have to go through what you went through, but the trade-off might be a salary cap or it might be Mm. limiting the length of contracts that a player can get. Right. So, um, they got to give the the players. It's going to be a negotiation with ownership, and you're going to have to give something up if they want something in return. And um, so then, and the owners know this. The owners aren't stupid; they're all business people. They know if they can drive a wedge between the union itself, that works in their interest. So, always has. There's no doubt about that. And then there's the whole thing with yep. the qualifying offers, and you know they they brought that yeah. in. That was a newer thing recently. It wasn't always a part of baseball, but. I don't think that worked quite that well, but it depends who you talk to it. I just see so many split factions. I would like to know how United the Baseball Players Association is right now because that'll dictate everything because the owners are going to do what they're going to do. And the thing I consider is that the owners will be a little bit more paranoid because they lost so much money in COVID as well. That's a whole other aspect. Or they say they lost so much money. But I don't know if I yeah. buy that because yeah. these people have assets that are worth billions of dollars so they can sit on their duffs and do whatever they want. Players don't have the same built-up wealth and capital at all. Yeah, and a lot of what uh, major league organizations have turned to recently is um, being as much real real estate investment as uh, sports investment, right? So you've got, like, the Braves' new development, which is really just kind of like a big real estate development. Or if yes. you think of the Cubs, when I lived in Chicago... The whole time I lived in Chicago, when the Ricketts family owned the Cubs, their focus was on building shit around the ballpark that they owned, right? So they built a hotel, they added the sports book, uh, they completely redeveloped the area around the stadium because they owned the land, you know, they get deals on on the land, they bought the old Taco Bell or the old McDonald's, speaking of the Rock Room McDonald's, the old Donald's, <laughs> McDonald's across the street, so yeah. Um, anyway. Well, and, and, yeah. and they still own the land. Like COVID didn't kill that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the the so it's an incredible myth. Don't buy. I think most people who are of age get that. Like Jasper says, the owners are full of BS. Yes, of course they are. So that's how they got to be owners. That's you're not gonna. You have to be a master bullshitter if you want to become a billionaire. It's not something that you yeah, just. Yeah, and well, they're not. When's the, what's the last sports ch- franchise that lost the owner money when they sold the franchise off? Like it doesn't happen. <laughs> this isn't 19, exactly. Dude, this isn't like 1980 when Mike Illich bought the Red Wings and was like having to give cars away to get people to go to the games or whatever. Those days are long gone. That's that generation of owners uh, took the risk 
but a lot of them made a hell of a lot of money. And the generation that came after them, it, it's just in a totally different stratosphere. And then that's the same thing happened here in Detroit. Area. The Illiches were given all these tax breaks and opportunity, and they own all the land around the brand new Little Caesars Arena and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, this is the new yeah. business plan. Somebody came up with it and said, hey, this is what we're going to do now. We're not just going to own the teams. We're going to own all the land, and we're going to make a bunch of money off of this. It's a whole complex. It's a whole world we create, and that's what they've done, and that's how it is. But let's get back to prospects before we go. Something you guys do need to keep an eye on and stay focused with is possible CBA changes. But after what Phil just said yeah. to me, I kind of I kind of feel like, you know what, yeah, you know, the, the minor leagues have already been diminished and the prospects don't have a voice. The people in the minors don't have a voice. So no one's going to suddenly rise up for them. <laughs> so I think you're right. I think you're right, Phil. The uh, problem, yeah. 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 What, who the hell's Kyle Stowers? Yeah, way under the radar guy. But he's having a great year for Baltimore. Uh, looked at his stats before we came on today. 380 on base percentage over full season, which I'd love uh, close. He's major league ready close to the bigs. Baltimore is a franchise that's struggling to win what 50 games this year. So maybe they take a crack at him early in the season. And he could be one of those guys that comes up early in the season next year. And if he catches fire sticks with the team the whole year. So I think you definitely want to keep him on your radar and redraft, see where he's going. If he's one of these guys that's going ADP after pick 400, He's those are the type of players you want to keep your eye on that can really basically be a free pick for you that can either get you started really well to start the season or really kind of make or break your whole season. So uh, three levels from high A, double A to triple A all this year. Twenty seven home runs total across all three levels and uh, a couple of stolen bases, seven steals, too. That's nice. Striking out yeah. a shitload, but the OBP and the walk percentage, you know, he'll hopefully grow from that. But it definitely is somebody who's standing out with numbers that are like, oh, well, this guy is definitely worth taking note of. You can you can strike out 35% of the time if you can also get on base 35% of the time. So, like, a 350 OBP will pretty much always play if you can slug, too. That's a great point. There's no doubt about it. All right, we're going to wrap up the show here, but before we go, uh, Hannah Kraus. Hans Kraus. Hans. That's awesome. What Hans. I love that name. Hans Kraus. Yeah, Kraus. We, t- we talked about Hans earlier in the I remember year because this. he got traded. Yeah, he got traded to the Phillies, and we both said, what in the hell? And the Spencer I said, Howard I think deal. Kraus, yeah, I think Kraus might be, you know, the best prospect potentially in that deal. And he made his debut, uh, didn't look terrible for the Phils. You want to keep your eye on him if he sneaks into the back end of the rotation or, or is a streamer next year. He could be a guy that could eat some innings, strike some dudes out. Um, he'll be pitching in the NL, which is easier to pitch in. So he'd be a guy. I'm, I'm Unless it's universal DH time. with the CBA. Oh, bye. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, even then, there's some. Point. There's there's a whole other story. We, we could do a whole debate about the myth of that, mm-hmm. too. It's, there's a lot of interesting numbers that I've seen from that. But that's it for this show. We did a great job. Phil Goyette, Talk Prospects. He did it with us. He stayed up late. He had to watch his uh, footy ball over there, which was a really exciting match, huh? Football. It was a good match. Yeah, it was a very good match tonight. The... Uh, M23 Derby between Crystal Palace and Brighton. I don't know. That sounds. I know what Crystal Palace and a, Brighton are, but the M23 Derby. Very cool. Yeah, they have like a, you know, that's some, it's a rivalry. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, of course. Apparently. There's always rivalries. Every country has them. Thanks, Jasper. Yeah. Says y'all be cool. And thanks again for the show. As always, Jasper, we do our best. Thanks for being a part of the show. 
Follow Phil on Twitter at Thanks, Phil Jasper. of Sports. And you follow me, MJ Govier, G-O-V is in Victor I-E-R, and Plausible Podcast, two L's. Utah. Two Z's. Give me two. There it is. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the last week of the baseball season. We'll be back later this week with a full episode, too, because I want to talk more baseball. Until then, you guys keep it real. Because you're one true love. For a prospect, you'll trade all the Sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of prospects. That's the power of prospects. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.